بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أرسل الله تعالى بالحق بشيرا ونذيرا داعيا إلى الله بإذنه وسراجا منيرا فما بعد فقال تعالى يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن إلا وانتم مسلمون وقال يا أيها الذين آمنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يسلح لكم أعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطيع الله ورسوله فقد فاد فوضا عظيما وقال نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وآله وسهب وسلم إن أزدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور مهدثاتها وكل مهدثة بدع وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار My dear brothers, sisters, elders In this series of khutab which I am doing They are called the way forward And today is khutbah number 5 And there will be inshallah 7 of these I will try to define for you the problem that we Muslims face and are facing today globally. And we'll try to suggest to you, insha'Allah, the way forward to a solution. But there are two critical things which you must remember as you listen to me. One, that we did not reach this stage and this state overnight. And therefore, Neither is the solution going to work overnight. It's not magic. Second, the only way, and I want to make this very clear, the only way for the solution to work is if all of us, all of us, without exception, as long as you say, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, you are included in that all. The rest of what you believe and don't believe, I don't care. So you decide whether you believe in La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah or not. If you don't believe in that, I've got no quarrel with you. But if you believe in that, rest of what you believe and don't believe is between you and Allah. Not my problem. But you are included in this all. All of us must commit to work with total sincerity and enthusiasm, full energy to create the solution and hold your breath. Some of, us, some of them, some of us must be clear that you must continue to work even though you will not see any change. And inshallah, in the seventh khutbah, I will give you dalail from the Quran and Sunnah. I am not giving anything I am telling you is not my opinion. With Dalail from Quran and Sunnah and Sirah. Take it or leave it. Continue to work even though you, and that obviously includes me, will not, I'm not even saying may not, will not see a solution. Yet, we must commit. And yet, we must work so that those who come after, they will see the solution. Inshallah. I want to just 
highlight this because there is something called the tipping point and all of this we will talk about later. I want to highlight this because I ask you to make dua for istiqama, for perseverance, for steadfastness. We are living in a revolution, but it's perhaps not what you may think. Let me explain. We are living today in times that I call forks in history, like a road forks. You, have a, you must decide, go left, go right. Forking times in history are characterized by turmoil. Epidemics, wars, economic collapse, political instability, civil war, and so on. But it is precisely for that reason that the foundations of the structures of society are shaken. And for a short time, it is given into the hands of ordinary people to change the path of destiny. To give you some examples from history, the Industrial Revolution, 1760 to 1840, the War of Independence in India, 1857, the American Civil War, 1861 to 65, the First and Second World Wars, the Great Depression of 1930, which ended in World War II in 1939, which shows that not everything has a happy ending. All of these are markers in history of changes in the paths of destiny. There were others, but this list will suffice for us to see how the decisions of people of the time, leaders and followers, changed the path of destiny for others. We do not have the time to do an analysis of each of these events to point out what those decisions were. If anybody is interested, then I'm happy to sit with you and explain to you. But doesn't matter if you, whether you understand the reasons or not, it happened. But today we must do this because, as I mentioned, we are living in another revolution. And what we choose to do or not to do will define the path of destiny for generations to come. Believe me, our destiny is in our own hands. And that means in the hands of adults, not in the hands of children not in the hands of youth, of adults who have money, who have power, who have authority. You can't escape it dumping it on the heads of children. You cannot escape it dumping it on the heads of youth. They will inherit what you leave behind. And that is why Rasulullah never ran a maktab. He never ran a Sunday school. He never ran a nursery. He never ran a kindergarten. He taught adults. And that is why this society, whether it's good or bad, is because of adults. And it is we adults who can change, who can act to change it. Be careful what you teach your children. And understand that children listen with their eyes, not with their ears. They listen with their eyes. They don't care what you say until they see what you do. And believe me, this applies to everybody, but especially to children. We Muslims globally are like a ship caught in a storm, battered by winds and ocean currents, driving it onto rocks. As captains of such a ship, we must do two paradoxical things simultaneously. One, 
is be aware of the hostile forces that surround us. And the other one, yet not allow them to distract us from our goal of navigating the ship safely out of the storm. The good news is that all storms end. The bad news is that any storm can sink a ship where the captain has no idea about the destination or how to get there. Navigation, whether it's for ships or lives, must be learned. It's not a birthright. It won't just come to you. This means that in order to learn, we must commit time and effort with teachers who know what to teach and how. It is not instant coffee and it won't happen in your spare time. This is the choice that each one of us must make because it is we who will have to live our lives. If you think learning takes too long or is too expensive, try ignorance. Our biggest problem today is the absence of viable alternatives to leadership. Our biggest challenge is to produce ethical, moral, global leaders. Without that, the world is doomed. As I was walking in here, the police officer who's there outside, he stopped me and he said, tell me, when can we have peace? I said, the minute we want to have peace. It's as simple as that. When can you have peace? The minute you want to have peace. Both parties involved, if they genuinely want peace, it will happen right now, before the end of this khutbah. It is as simple as that. Because without ethical, moral, global leaders, the world is doomed. We are fed and most of us believe and have internalized the myth that technology and wealth can solve all our problems. This is a lie. Because both are value neutral tools. They're neither good nor evil. If you don't know how to speak, the best mic in the, fo in the, in the world cannot make, give, make you give a good speech. This is technology. It propels what you say. That is, that's it. It is the mind which decides how to use technology. So it is the mind that we must work on. The biggest and most important change that has happened is that today and especially in this country, we live in times when the voice of the ordinary individual can be heard. Not every individual, but those who are elected to office. And that process of election is open to everyone, especially at the local level. And that's throughout to the national level. The question to ask is, how many of us take the trouble to get elected? Election doesn't happen by magic. You can't buy it. It happens by first getting visibility through social work, through helping people, participating in public projects, working with people across boundaries of race and religion and culture. It happens by changing our isolationist ways and getting involved in our communities. It happens by thinking of where we live as our community. And if you want a metric to see where we are on this index, see how many people participate in our hunger walk once in a year. This masjid, how many people? 
How many people participate in the town cleaning, town cleaning drive? How many people participate in a Black Lives Matter protest? Or in food pantries? How many? Giving a donation check once in a year doesn't, is not the same. Please understand this. How many people participate in interfaith work? Please add to this list and see what you can say about yourself. Ask yourself how many of us have friends who are not like us? How many? Who don't speak our language? Maybe not our religion? Maybe not the particular brand of religion that we follow? Because may Allah bless us. We don't even need to go outside Islam. We got so many internal. How many have friends? Not some transactional stuff, meaning you go to their house, they come to your house, your children and so on and so forth, hang out together and whatnot, and you have influence on them, they have influence on how many people have friends who are not like themselves. I'm giving you metrics. Why is that important? Because the first documented arrival of Muslims in this land was in the 17th century, the transatlantic slave trade. This was industrialized slavery and the most brutal subjugation of human beings in the history of humankind. One place to visit and Masjid board take note is in Washington, the Smithsonian National Museum of African American History. Make this, write it down as your critical to survival. Critical to education. If you haven't been there, you haven't seen it, you're uneducated. In the mid-18th century, came the first wave of immigrants from Asia and Middle East. And that was roughly 200 years ago. Then ask, let me ask you this question. 200 years. 400 years Muslims have been there. 200 years Muslims who came from Asia and Middle East were all sitting here who are educated, who have money, then why is it that there are only three Muslim members of Congress in 200 years? We complain that nobody listens to us. How can anybody listen to someone who is not there? If I list the top 10 US corporations by market cap, the CEOs of all of them are Indian, not one is a Muslim. Global corporations run this world, believe it or not. You have to be in the right place for your decisions to count. It's not just, it's not just enough to be alive. No. In the right place. Believe me that both the examples I gave you of, of being elected or of being CEOs of global corporations, neither of these has anything to do with discrimination. They have everything to do with focus. The truth is that we get what we pay for, whether it's Walmart or whether it's life.
Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin Muhammadur Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Tasliman kathiran kathira Fama ba'du faqala ta'ala inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusallun ala nabi Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alaihi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammadin wa ala ali muhammad Kama sallita ala ibrahim wa ala ali ibrahim innaka hamidun majid Allahumma barik ala Muhammad wa ala ali Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidun Majid. My brothers and sisters and elders, as I have said before, you are citizens of this country. You are not visitors waiting to go home. This is home. So participate and contribute. On January 20, 1961, when I was six years old, John F. Kennedy was inaugurated as the President of America. And in his inaugural speech, he made one statement. He said, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. 1961. His historic words emphasized the importance of civic action and challenged every American to contribute in some way to the public good. As I said, this has remained with me for all these years, from 1961 to 2023. And I try to apply this in all the constituencies that I'm part of. I don't ask what can they do for me, I said what can I do for them. And it's a reciprocal world, you do enough, you get enough. You want to get, you have to give. Simple as that. This is Deen, this is Dunya. These words are the secret of leadership. Because leading rides on the shoulders of service. First, you win hearts, then you shape destiny. If you study the seerah, you will see this reflected clearly. Rasulullah was the most beloved man in Makkah. Why? Not because of lineage, not because of anything, but because of service to everyone. He became hugely popular not because he was canvassing for votes, but because of service. He was known for his kindness, his manners, his patience in the face of provocation. When he moved to Medina, he did three things in this order. He created the Ummah, a brotherhood of faith, as distinct and different from a brotherhood of tribal, tribalism or, or lineage. Then he built his masjid, which became the center of the community, as it is supposed to be. And he created a constitution, an agreement. That was the most inclusive egalitarian document that you can imagine, which recognized differences of the most fundamental kind between people, but brought people together on issues of mutual importance. What do we need to do today? Follow the Sunnah. Treat every Muslim as your brother, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them that place. Who is a Muslim? They ask Nabi Who is a Muslim? Ya Rasulullah He said, the one who said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah. The one who prays facing our Qibla. 
and the one who eats what we slaughter. That's it. Three conditions. The one who said, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Rasulullah, the one who prays facing our qibla, and the one who eats what we slaughter. He did not say the one who prays and raises his hands, Rafaidain, the one who does not do that, one who moves his finger, one who covers his head. Nothing. Prayers facing the Qibla. The prayer is to Allah. Let Allah accept, let Allah reject. Not your problem. The one who said, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, he didn't say the one who has this in his heart. Yeah? Because you can't go in the heart and check. He said, the one who said it, leave him alone. There's a famous Sira story for about Usama bin Zaid who was like a grandson of Nabi Sallallahu Where in one Sariya, in one battle, a man came face to face with him. The man shouted, Ashadu Allah ilaha illallah, wa ashadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah, but Osama killed him. Because he had some private issue with him. Other people saw that, they reported Nabi Sallallahu Nabi Sallallahu called him, he said, what happened? Is it true? The man said, La ilaha illallah, and you still killed him? Usama bin Zaid radiallahu he said, Ya Rasulullah, he, he said that, he just said that, he, that was not in his heart. Rasulullah said, Aha, you went inside his heart? You opened his heart to see? Usama bin Zaid radiallahu says, I wish I, the earth would open and swallow me. He said, I wish I had not been a Muslim until this time because then I could have accepted Islam and my sin would have been forgiven. He said, Rasulullah was so angry when I said, he, he is not sincere. He said, you went inside his heart. You checked his heart. Huh? La ilaha illallah. What is the sunnah? Treat every person, every Muslim as your brother and your sister. Don't worry about which sect and which business they do and what they do and what their face looks like if they've got a beard or they've got... Don't worry about all that. All of those things are important. I'm not saying Akhidah is not important. Akhidah is important. You die with the wrong Akhidah, you go to Jahannam. The beard is Sunnah. Sunnah Muakkadah. And so on and so on and so on. But that's not your problem. That is the issue between the Abd and his Rabb. Your and my problem is treat him like a brother because Allah made him your brother. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Inna hadhi ummatukum ummatan wahida wa ana rabbukum fa'abudu. See the honor. Allah said, you are one community, you are one ummah, one religion, one people. Why? Because I am your Rabb. Huh? Because I am your Rabb. Allah did not even say because you are Muslim. Because you are, have the one. No, no, no. He said, I am your Rabb. Imagine the honor Allah is connecting us with him. Because I am your Rabb, so worship me. And in the in Surah Mawin, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, Wa inna hadihi wahida wa ana rabbukum Truly you are one people. And one ummah. Why? Because I am your Rabb, so have taqwa of me. Ibadah and taqwa is the sum total of the life of the human being. He worships only Allah and with taqwa he is concerned only for the rida of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Every action is Allah pleased with this. This is our religion my brothers and sisters. This is our religion. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa taught us that our job is to worry about our own belief and actions and treat everyone else as our brother and sister. Leave their beliefs and actions between Allah and them because that concerns them. Except if their actions are harmful to society, then in that case you correct them. But today we want to sit in judgment on who will go to Jannah and who will go to Jahannam. As if we are the owners of Jannah and Jahannam. Let us worry about where we will go. And that is what Islam teaches us, to focus on our iman and amal. The truth is easy to see, but difficult to swallow. But if we want change, we must swallow it. In 1631, the construction of a building was started in India, which was completed in 1652 at a cost of, in today's money, 1 billion US dollars. The net worth of the man who built it was 25% of global GDP of the time. Global GDP of that time in today's money was 40 trillion, which means this man was worth 10 trillion. Do the sums. Elon Musk is worth 250 billion. That man was worth 10 trillion. You could buy and sell Elon Musk how many times? And on top of that, it was not just money. And the money was not, the net worth was not shares in Wall Street. Net worth was gold and silver and jewels. Come to me some other time, I'll give you the details. You will drool. And he had authority. He ruled over one of the most powerful empires of the time. His name was Shah Jahan. And the building he built is called Taj Mahal. 1631. In 1636, four years later, another building was started across the world, close to where we are in America. The person who initiated that was a Puritan minister. He earned his master's <clears throat> degree from Cambridge University in England and he died at age 31. Shah Jahan ruled for 30, 30 years. John Howard died age 31. Thanks to his effort, an amount of 500 pounds was sanctioned by the Commonwealth of Massachusetts and John Howard bequeathed 50% of his wealth of $150,000 to that building. That became a school, a university, a college, a university. Today, both buildings exist. The first one has two occupants, both dead. The second one has been producing leaders in all aspects of society since 1636. It is the first college in America, has the wealthiest endowment of $50.7 billion and has the largest library on earth. The difference between these two stories is the difference between sight and vision. And that's why they say much worse than not having sight is not having vision. It shows graphically that it is not resources or power, but vision, which has the biggest impact. I have two questions for you. First question is, what is your vision? What is your vision? And the second question that I have is, what are you prepared to do about realizing it? Because the reality is, that it's only action that comes. And that is why in Islam, 
The emphasis is on faith and action and not on faith and knowledge. Iman wa amalu saleh. Not iman wa ilmu saleh. Because only knowledge practiced has effect. The biggest challenge today is to understand that Islam makes us winners in this life and the akhirah. The lives of the Anbiya show that it is a strong connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A clear vision, dedicated effort, and the ability to win hearts. These are the secrets of success. It is for us to live and learn and live by this. ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر لنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين لا إله إلا أنت سبحانك إنا كنا من الظالمين رب اغفر وارحم وانت خير الراحمين اللهم اهدنا فيمن هديت وعافنا فيمن عافيت وتولنا فيمن طوليت فبارك لنا فيما عطيت وقنا وصرفنا شر ما خديت فإنك تقضي ولا يقضى عليك فإنه لا يظل مواليت ولا يعز من عديت تباركت ربنا وتعاليت نستغفرك اللهم ونتوب إليك آمين يا رب العالمين يا عباد الله رحمكم الله إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعزكم لعلكم تذكرون اذكروا الله يذكركم عدو يستجيب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقيموا السلام